Welcome to Ask the Latina. I'm your host, Terry Beltran. This program is about the opportunity to ask and learn from a Latina trailblazer with the mission to inspire and motivate Latinas to enter a career where we just do not have enough representation. For more resources, visit our website, askthelatina.com. Well, welcome to Ask the Latina. My guest today is Heather Bravo Martinez, and I'm really excited to have her because you're going to see a Latina that is so diverse and has all the areas that we need more Latinas in, which is health and law, and also um, she's involved with so many different things as well, so I'm excited to have her here too. Thank you, Heather, for being our guest today. I really am excited to have you as a guest and to for you to Thank share you. all your diverse background. Thank you so much, Terry, for having me. It's a great pleasure. Thank you. Well, Heather, let's start with your background. You know, where were you born and your heritage? So um, I was born and raised in Northern California in a small farming community, Stockton, California, to be precise. Um, and I am a Mexican-American, third generation. Um, my grandfather walked the path of Guanajuato, Mexico up into the United States and served for the United States military. And then my great-grandmother, her family was actually the first settlers in Alta, California, um, before it was part of the United States. And they actually helped build Southern California, as well as build the missions within California. And our family tree is very um, strong within political. Um, We were related to Pio Pico, who was the last Mexican governor of California. And we were also related to, his name is Francisco Ortega, and he was actually the founder of San Francisco and owned Santa Barbara before it was taken over and also helped build the mission. So we're very grounded within California itself. There's over 2,500 of us here in California, whether we are Bravos, Ortegas, Morenos, Castros, um, we are very much populated here. And so um, that's where my roots lie. That's wonderful. So Thank you have quite family reunions, I would say. <laughs> yes, we every- take over a whole town. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. How nice. I love yeah. that. So um, tell us about your experience being in high school and then uh, and to prepare for college and what you decided to go into. You know, um, when you're growing up, I'm from a biracial family. My mom was Caucasian, um, Irish and Native American Indian. My dad is full-blooded Mexican. Um, and I think a lot of us don't realize part of being Mexican American is we are all mestizos. We're all very much mixed. There's a lot of races that make us up. Um, but we, I noticed at a young age, we tend to be more purchased towards our own people. So first off being mixed in a community where either you're white or you're Mexican, there was no in between was very hard to grow up in. On top of it being, as you guys can tell, this is not my natural hair color. So being this little chunky brown girl who doesn't speak Spanish fluently, I speak Spanglish, and who is chunky and she doesn't look like everyone and she doesn't fit in with either culture, 
um, lunches look different. I'm bringing in burritos or taquitos or, you know, things that other children aren't eating. It was very difficult to find my way and where I fit in. And the one thing that we noticed within um, even my own family is we find those insecurities um, and we provide nicknames. You know, I was a chunky girl, so it was like Gorda, Gordica, things like that make you feel insuperior. Um, I went through bullying. You know, if you're going to be a smart Mexican, can you at least be one that speaks Spanish? So I took a lot of bullying, a lot of beat down, a lot of being a Latina, you are disabled. Um, so you take that beat down with with those with those things. Um, so in high school, it was very hard to find your way. Um, you you very much go into the mode um, protection and defense mode of I'm not letting anyone in. Um, I'm just going to keep my head down. So as I was doing that, I was very fortunate because I did meet a lot of um, mentors who were like, you know what, you have these skills and qualifications. So at 15, 16 years old, I'm attending political rallies. I'm attending functions to introduce a new mayor, um, attending these galas and parties and events. Um, my family is very strong in law enforcement and human resources, and I decided to go the legal way. So I started in high school. I started my AA degree in legal. And as I graduated, I started to look for internships and found with my dad's reputation, he was higher up in law enforcement. He has his law degree. It was very hard for me to break out of his shadow and to get those internships because he always had cases going on, Right. Um, so I decided to go the human resource route. Um, I have the psychology background. I have the legal background. I enjoy working with people. I love fixing problems and trying to figure out those root causes. So of course, human resources was the next step for me because I get to use the psychology aspect. I get to use the legal aspect. And I also get to use the um, fixer an investigator piece of my personality. And so that's what really drove me into my position. Um, it was hard because there weren't many Latinas or Latinos that were in the industry um, at that time. So I was going off of anyone I could find. Um, but when I finally met people who looked like me, had the same background as me and inspired me to go above and beyond to obtain my finish up my bachelor's degree, go for my master's degree, look for the certifications. That's when I really flourished. And so my main goal for myself is for a young lady not to wait till she's in her mid forties to find out who she is, to have someone who can guide them and help them determine who they are at the young age so that they excel or feel empowered during high school and college. Um, the way that Aisha felt empowered versus at 48 years old. Yeah. So going back a little bit, you, did you get a law degree? And um... I have my associate's degree in law. Uh, my bachelor's is in business administration, and I will be going for my um, paralegal certification this year. Great. And then the psychology, how mm -hmm. did that come into all that? Did you take something in psychology or do you have a... Uh, I was a double majored in psychology and law because they go hand in hand. And I was kind of thinking, do I go the attorney route or do I go a law enforcement route such as probation or things of that sort? So I actually did a double major in those. 
Wow, wow. And um, it's interesting because I think they both kind of play really well, um, especially given today. So with the psychology, what drew you to it? You know, um, my uncle is was in the military and he got his PhD as a psychiatrist. And the human mind, when you go into law enforcement, even in human resources that I'm in now, the human mind plays a lot of factors. And you find that people have, um, they have tell signs that tell you whether they're lying, whether they're telling the truth, um, how they work. So if you understand the human mind and the concept, you can start really analyzing what the root cause is. A lot of times behaviors, performance, um, things like that are ran by how we think mentally and emotionally. And so when you know those behaviors and you understand, so that's what drew me to it, um, as well as understanding why people do what people do. And so that's what really groomed me on that piece of it. Mm, that's really good. And I think today it's so important to have that. I think uh, definitely it's a great combination. Agree, agree. Um, we, we're in such a time where we've went through a pandemic that we have not been through, right? I mean, every hundred years. And so um, our youth have had to learn how to work diversely. They've had to learn how to cope um, and, and find coping mechanisms for doing things online, not having that social contact, and then rebuilding themselves as we're moving out of it. How do we now present ourselves? How do we have that human contact? How do we do A, B, C, D? So it's almost like we're in this retraining phase of how we now go along life, but how we now adapt to our new life circumstances. Yeah, that's true. And um, okay, so now um, tell us about when you, where did you go to college, first of all? Um, I went to college through San Joaquin Delta College here locally, um, and then I started my bachelor's degree actually online through University of Phoenix, and um, I'm almost completed. I actually will have it completed next month all the way fully. I had to take time off because I had some family um, things, and I am going for my paralegal degree um, through a, a certification school next year. That's great. And I think that's a very good thing because, you know, it, learning is a continuous thing. You never stop. Yeah. And I love how you are showing that you've done that. And also learning new things is really cool. So, uh-huh. And pursuing it differently. I mean, we have such great options today. I mean, not prior to the pandemic, we could do online courses for just about anything. And Phoenix, of course, is one of the, one of the primary ones that does that and has done it for a long time. So I love that those options were there and then you're showing us that those are options as well. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. That is fantastic. Now, you mentioned you had mentors. Did you have mentors while you were also studying in college or through your programs that you've had? You know, I didn't. And that's the one thing I feel like certain generations, um, either you found mentors as you go into your work environment or you find mentors um, because you join all these social clubs, right? That was the old-fashioned way of doing it. Um, I found my mentors when I started working for a Fortune 500 company. Um, I found my mentors as I moved through my career path and said, hey, I like how you handle those things. I want to take these pieces I like of yours. 
I don't like the way you handled this, so I'm going to take that off my vocabulary and replace it with how I liked how this person did it. Um, So that's how I created my mentorship. Um, It would have been nice if we had something like Ask a Latina, where you are matched with someone who has the same experiences or same um, skills or the same likes as you do, because then it builds that bond that I feel like is for a lifetime. Once you find that mentor, they never go away. You could be out of college, you could have your family, you could be six jobs in, but that mentor is still someone who's very much like family. And I will tell you, several of my mentors are aunts and uncles to my daughter because they've just been a huge effect on my life. Yeah, you're so right. They, they become a mentor for life. It's definitely someone to turn to when you mm-hmm. have questions. It's always good to have that. So. I love that. That's fantastic. So now um, when you graduated, tell us about your career. What did you um, do first? And then how did that evolve to where you are today? So I actually kind of fell into my career. No one ever wakes up and says, I want to be human resources. (laughs) No one ever wakes up and says that. Um, I kind of fell into my career. So what I actually did, to be honest with you, is I accepted a position as a human resource receptionist, just answering phones, and people gravitated towards me. So I started going above and beyond, trying to find answers, help them out, more of a admin or coordinator position. And as my bosses started seeing this, they started promoting me and said, hey, we seem to do really good in human resources. We know your mom's an HR director. Have you thought about going through this path? Because they knew I was kind of stumped in the legal of where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. I thought that and I said, you know what? Yes, if you're willing to train me, you're willing to be that mentor, I'd be more than happy to. And so that's why I moved into an HR journalist position and I obtained the skill. I wasn't just happy doing that. At the time I was single, I had a lot of free time. So instead of being the typical 20, 21 year old bar hopping and going out to clubs, I was taking on other jobs as side gigs to get more well-rounded into my position. So I started working for a staffing agency doing full cycle recruitment. I started taking on opportunities to do training sessions on benefits and FMLA or you know just certain things in order to build up my skills and qualifications. And by doing that, by the time I had my child, I was married, by the time I had started my career, I had the opportunity to move into a position for a Fortune 500 company to build, help build their human resource department in California, put in timekeeping systems and meet great mentors that I still have with me to this day. And so that's kind of how I've built my career path. I've always moved into the direction of the next level that I want to be. And my logic in this aspect for that is if I want to be a director, I'm now hanging out with people who are at that level already, grooming myself to mirror what they do, learning what they do, and speaking like they do to get to that next level. So that's always been my secret to success path of moving to the next level within my career. That's really good, yeah. And it's almost like a strategic kind of networking. It is, it is. As mentioned, it's, it's uh, yeah. Um, we recently just had an event with, Alpha Association of Latino and Professionals, and the whole topic was about mentoring, or not mentoring, but networking, and the right. personal networking, and the strategic networking, and operational networking. So we're trying to decide which how to identify those. 
But what you just said kind of stuck with me because it's strategic because you're looking at where you want to go next, which is fantastic. I think more Latinas need to think that way. We need to be more strategic about where we want to go and plan it through. And I know that, you know, you, you, what you're doing is really something that I think is really good to teach early on too. So they know. I feel like, I feel like, you know, I was just having a conversation with a colleague of mine who's a Latino man and he made the comment, he goes, you know, Heather, my daughter is like, I want to do this. And he goes, we never thought outside of that box. We've never been taught as Latinas to, or Latinos to think outside of the box of this is where I want to be. So how do I get here? We're taught you go to work, you work 12 hours a day, you do what your boss tells you to do, and you don't ask any questions. Um, my family has worked in the fields. I've worked in the fields. Everyone sees this exterior of a bougie Latina with her nails done, hair done, makeup on. But what they don't know is, much like everyone else, I paid my dues. I've worked in fields. I've done the harvest. Um, I'm in the wine industry. Most of us are seen as um, we're at the entry-level positions, the fields, the bottling, the capping, the distribution. Um, but I will say the company I work with, we're very much for a of how do we get that diversity of Latinas and Latinos in the boardroom, primarily Latinas? How do we get those Latinas into the executive positions, such as a director, such as a VP, such as an executive VP, CEO? How do we earn those seats at the table? We don't just earn them because we're Latina and we make up that population and we look good on paper, right? Um, we have to earn it because we have now learned the path, or to your point, the strategic mentorship of I want to be at this level, so what do I need to do? So it's it's finding the educational path, the mentorships, as well as the job opportunities to do so to earn those chairs at the table. Yeah, that's great. Um, now with uh, HR and in psychology, do you get to use some of that with dealing with um, you know with in your area of HR? And how all day. <laughs> All day, every day. It is uh, human resources. It's not for the weak of heart or the faint of heart. I'll be honest with you. It is a thankless job. No one ever says, hey, thank you for writing me up, terminating me. Thank you for doing employee investigations. Um, but you do use psychology a lot because you're looking at if someone is not performing, if someone's having a difficult time, um, if someone is having a hard time with attendance, you're looking at the person and trying to figure out what motivates that person to do their job, what motivates them to be here, what motivates them. And that's all a psychological and mental mindset. Money is great, but you have to make sure your employees are mentally, not just physically healthy, but mentally healthy too. So you're using that psychology aspect in order to come up with a conclusion that not only benefits the company, but helps keep your employees healthy, safe, and able to do their work and be there for their family. So you're using that psychology a lot within this field. Um, and in fact, even law, you're using the legal realm, of legal realm as well in order to do what's right along the guidelines. So not only are you looking at the employee as a patient of, okay, what's going on with them? But you yourself are also thinking, if I take path A or path B, not only how is that affecting them physically, but mentally, how are they going to be motivated? How is it going to affect them? Are they going to understand what they did right or what they did wrong? And what is that mental view outlook going to look like down the road? So it's used a lot in our position. Yeah, yeah. And probably, you know, like you said, it's the mentality of understanding 
I mean, I believe that, you know, if employees or wherever you work, you need to be, oh, I always believe this motto, 51% happy, you know, at your job. So exactly. And uh, probably a little difficult to, if they're not, then you probably find some ways of understanding why they're not happy. And it's really putting them in the right seat, I bet, is part of the psychology part of it, too. They're not exactly. How do you? How do you find where they need to be? And it's educating the um, supervisors and the managers of not everyone learns the same, right? I'm a visual, I'm a hands-on visual person. So I have to touch it, feel it, do it, manipulate it and in order for me to learn it. But I might have Jane Doe next to me who is more of, let me read the book. Um, let me watch you do it. Um, they might be more of the intake of reading direction instead of having that visual. So it's understanding that, and that's a lot of psychological aspect as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, if you were to look back in time when you were in high school or before you went through all the decisions and careers that you went through, what advice would you give yourself? I would tell the younger Heather um, to know how to set boundaries. And I think that that's one thing as Latinas that we don't do. Because when we are raised, um, when we are going through school, we're, it, it's already deemed that you're not going to go to college. You're not going to do this. You're going to go. You're going to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, um, already married by the time you're 18. And you let everyone in our, your family take advantage of you because you're the woman of the family. So nothing, all families, but it's always expected that you're serving the men, you're serving the children, and you're always put last. And so I think that the one thing I would tell the young Heather or any young Latina looking to go into the business world is at a very young age, learn to set your boundaries, learn to know what you will accept for yourself and what you won't accept. You know, um, get rid of the toxic friends right away. You know, that was the biggest thing for me is um, I've lost a lot of friendships um, since I've learned to set boundaries, since my professional career has taken off, since I've been published in a book and published in an article down in Southern California. I've lost a few friends because of the jealousy or because I've set boundaries of I'm not going to accept this toxic behavior. I'm not going to accept being put last or being treated in a specific way. So I think if I would have known that at a younger age, I would have been better set for my life path, and it would have been more of a positive and easier experience than what I had went through. Yeah, yeah you're right. And always they say, surround yourself with positive people. Mm-hmm. people that will lift you up, not bring you down. Right, exactly. You know, I'll give you guys one example. I had a friend from high school, well, even elementary school, and she told me I was disabled because I was Latina. So I went through this mindset of, I have a disability, I'm this is, you know, um, all of this stuff. And my mom said perfectly, it's not a disability, but you have to realize you you do have two things that you have to prove to people. You're a female, so you always have to work harder than any male to get what you want. And you are Latina, and you are going to have to beat those stereotypes that people do have as a Latina woman. And I don't see it as a disability, and I hope any young Latina listening to this podcast, listening to the YouTube video, you realize it's not a disability and it's not a negative thing. We have so much power. Um, I always say we're like a fine wine. There's a lot of flavors, a lot of undertones that make us a very robust. 
bus culture. And when you're very robust and you're very, um, you have this very powerful mentality and this education background, it scares people. And why it scares people is because you you are so powerful and you've set your boundaries and you know what you know. It's hard sometimes for people to be able to comprehend that or feel comfortable. So you have to know when to push that power and say, yes, I know it. And you have to know when to pull people in and let them get to know you in small pieces. And so I think that's the biggest thing. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for all that advice. I mean, it's very valuable that our young Latinas hear that. And uh, also, you know, I'm so happy that you're one of our mentors on our uh, on our Asa Latina platform, too. So there's so much richness. And I think that, you know, as more of us mentor and know with the platform making it easier, we'll be able to lift that up and have a lot more stronger and, and you know, teaching them what we've gone through and understanding what they need to do, I think is very key. And everything you said is just so valuable. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you for the opportunity. You know, I think when you and I spoke, the hardest thing for us as Latinas is standing up to our family when we want to make the decision to go to college. We want to make the decision not to live with our parents until we get married. We want to make decisions to live a lifestyle that isn't traditional in our culture, right? And so I feel like some of us women are pioneers for these young Latinas because no matter how many generations out, there's always still that first and second generation, that third generation, that fourth generation that they don't want to tell their mom and dad, like, I don't want to live the traditional path of what you guys lived. We're almost ashamed to have success because if we have success, then we make our elders look like they weren't successful in their own rights. Um, I think what we need to realize is I'm the first to say I'm very proud of my great-grandfather for walking on foot with seven brothers and sisters and his mom and dad up to the States. I'm grateful that he had to work in the in the fields. I'm grateful that they were able to save money and buy their own great vineyard. I'm grateful that for all the trials and tribulations that they had so that I learned from it and I'm successful in my own right, but believe me, I've had my trials and tribulations, and my daughter, bless her heart, at 17, has been around for those trials and tribulations, and she's learned from them. So as long as we're learning from each other, I think that you see such a strong generation coming up, generation after generation after generation. Yeah, I agree. That's fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, this concludes our episode with Asa Latina. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope to see you in our next one. Thank you.